to stop. God lift from me the intolerable burden of my ignorance, arrogance, willful blindness, bitterness, and resentment, as I pray that others rise above the same faults and temptations. I watched Fox News release a message this week. There are terrible things afoot under the surface of our society and the perpetrators are coming for you and coming for us. And then I watched the Democrats respond in panic and anger, saying, there are terrible things afoot under the surface of our society and the perpetrators are coming for you, coming for us. Are there terrible things afoot? bubbling under the surface? Is something coming for you and for us? Ask yourself how true that is of yourself and your own life. Have you addressed all that? Are you concerning yourself with the dust in your enemy's eyes instead of attending to the filth that obscures your own sight? Do we want accusation, suspicion, discord, derision, and hatred? Or the peace and prosperity and happiness that beckons to us at this moment like never before? Who's the enemy here? Is it the basket of deplorables? Is it the freaks and the queers? Is it the plumbers and carpenters and tradesmen and managers who work honestly and diligently during the day and the soldiers who stalwartly defend the borders and protect us? Is it the artists and visionaries whose expressions of unbridled creativity entertain and rejuvenate us and who continually offer to us an unending panoply of technological miracle? Is it the institutions that guide and protect us, 
that so many lived and died to erect and establish, which for all their faults have served us so well. Do we want revenge or justice? Do we want contempt or mercy? Do we want war or peace? And what are you aiming at in your heart of hearts? I see even the best of men degenerating into the exchange of blows. I see even the best of men identifying the enemy in our neighbors and friends. I see even the best of men falling prey to cowardice and self-righteous anger. It needs to stop. I need to stop. You need to stop before it's too late. Who is the enemy here? The snake in your heart? The lies on your tongue? The arrogance of your intellect? The cowardice of our refusal to see? The enemy is that which divides to sow discord. The enemy is the pride and the fear that stops us from lending a hand across the divide. The enemy is the great and eternal adversary of mankind. And if we demonize our brothers, our comrades in arms, do we not precisely call that dread spirit forth? Have we not yet learned? Courage. Trust. Truth. Love, even unto your enemy, which is yourself. God forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. May what is highest guide our vision. May what is highest open our ears. May what is highest guide our tongues. And may we pray, fearful of the hell we could so easily and carelessly create. Deliver us from evil. Shine a light into the corners of our dark hearts. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I thought I'd start with an unconventional prayer in sense, because one thing is for sure, we need God more than anything right now. Uh, today, I've been extra busy pretty much throwing myself into data, data, and data. And the more I was going through all this data, data, and data, and these numbers, I stopped and I thought to myself, it's impossible that no one sees this. And, and no one, meaning not, not average people that don't have access to it. But the people that claim to be working for us. I sat for a moment thinking, is it possible that so many people can be read on to this and understand it? Is it possible that this can be packaged in a way that people can see it? And I realized one thing. 
the documentary, which hopefully <laughs> I'm, I am working on it. It's over an hour and a half and that's without adding the things that I want. So it's going to be a two hour documentary. I was looking through all the footage put together and I, it was staring at me and I haven't even watched it in its entirety from start to finish after its compilation because I haven't had the time. And tomorrow morning I am giving myself that time. I am turning phones off, computers off because I, I, I as I was sitting there thinking, I thought, all right, this is why this documentary began. This is how the conversation is facilitated. We have to start at the beginning. And in the only way for you to see the beginning is to understand how they lay the foundations, how they were able to dominate your news cycles, dominate your thoughts, dominate every facet of your life. This is going to be one of the most eye-opening things you're going to have. And as I sat there and I, and I started it three minutes in, I'm like, Oh, like where, how do I even give them, you know, a two minute preview? How do I cram it in? How do I give them something that they'll understand? And that way until they see it, they'll be able to see bits of it everywhere. And I sat and I prayed and I felt so bad and I opened up my computer and on YouTube, lo and behold, that video came. And as I heard it, I thought, all right, well, God, I'm opening up this video again and I'm just going to click anywhere on it. You tell me where to start. I kid you not. It started me exactly where I needed to start the clip to show you. So I will be working on that tomorrow and I will try for you to see how this divide has happened, how your thoughts have been swayed, um, hijacked and pushed. Cause you know, I, I, even, even when I put out information to you, it's always my opinion. Uh, when I commentate, uh, on, on the news, it's mine. It's never yours. I've, I've said this from day one. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to anyone. Listen to your gut. And I think it's important that we all really understand why I was pushing this last year in 2020, why, why I was pushing this in the spring and in the summer. And I said, oh boy, your gut is going to be the most important thing you're going to need to rely on. Because it is that North Star for you. It is that innate response. Someone was putting out how frequencies affect us. Has anyone ever thought to check the frequencies of those they listen to? To understand. You can alter digital frequencies, of course. But without alteration... Your frequencies can give off those things you don't want to give off. And 
I, as, as I was going through some data, I was thinking, my gosh, how was this allowed? And, and why has it taken me so long to put this together and do it? Why didn't I years ago without care to myself, turn myself in and say, I know this, I know that, here we go, crucify me. And I, I actually thought that today, you know, rereading, rereading my affidavit, my original one. And I realized I was right. It was the wrong time. It was the wrong way. It had to be this way. It had to be this way. These, I saw some data that was archived from Ali Akbar. Now I know why they're protecting him. I had scraped his whole wild adventure. And boy, every single person that is supposedly on your team was on that site. And you know, I'm contemplating, should I just dump it? But won't they stand up and say, yeah, you know, we messed up. We messed up. Because I know there was no way that they intended this. It's impossible. They didn't know. They believed in good. I mean, you know... The stop the steal was swapped mid-program. They had, you know, the Kremer girls and Mike Lindell doing that for a while. So they just assumed those were the people that were doing the stop the steal. Now I see it. Now I see, you know, why people like Marjorie, while Ball Gosser, why Joe Flynn were all over uh, those events. Why all these, you know, people that were supporting our nation, trying to gather the information and get it done, they were all over that. Their emails, their communications, their pictures, they were being advertised. I was like, oh, no. They got blindsided, too, probably because of the chaos. See, the one thing I have realized throughout time is that when your guard is down or extremely up, you know, you can only cover your face. You can't cover your abdomen at the same time, unless you're like a giant, you have like giant weird arms, right? So you always have a weak spot and you get blindsided very easily. And that's how evil creeps in. It takes advantage of that vulnerable moment when you're not looking or you can't see. And not only that, when you've been adorned by the masses as heroes and people are praising you and you're on this high, you forget to look where you're stepping because you're going high up, high up. You're not even thinking about where your feet are. And so for me, um, that got a bit heavy for me, got a bit heavy for me. So it was, um, 
a lot for me to kind of think, okay, so how do I package this together? Um, also today I got to speak with our beloved Emerald who got fired from Newsmax. Um, she's an American patriot. She loves her country. She's great at what she does. Um, she's enjoying her full time off and, um, you know, we're going to see a lot coming from her soon. I am sure because people that do good will get smacked down because that is the way the devil works, right? He will attack you with anything they've got, anything they've got attack. And that is how they try to make you bend the knee. So I'm very proud of her. Another person that I chatted with today, Laura, she's writing a book. She changed her district. Um, I'm waiting to get that book. So that way I could see uh, what she's done. Uh, you know, I'm really proud of her too. A lot of people are pushing past this ceiling that people put on top of them to keep them quiet. Either they take advantage of the fact that they're, you know, diligent they're strong-minded, they're young, they're impressionable, you know, and as the devil tries to take hold, the more they get put through the fire, the more shinier they come out, nice and refined through the flames. And, you know, that gave me hope as I was going through all this information, you know, it was those pauses. And on a better note, my daughter's dining table finally came. So I guess we're not eating Thanksgiving on the floor. Um, today was a, a day of more reflection. And I realized um, as I was reading through things, I even dabbled into the hunter stuff because some amazing person, um, help parse some stuff out. I can't even, you know, you hear me and Patrick Byrne talking about this one person. I swear to God, I really think that the, the whole dog meme and the metal was not about a dog. And the more I say it, the more I, I believe it. Um, this person is just incredible. I am so lucky to have met them in person. I've seen their digital signature before and they, and I know they've seen mine, but, um, you know, I, I don't mention the person's name ever. Uh, and that's to keep, uh, them out of the public sphere. But, um, I'm telling you like, <laughs> it's just so amazing. And I, and, and, you know, the more I think of it, the more I realize just how big of a problem, um, you know, the red string gang really was. I mean, at first it was more, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. You're just ponting off of people. But it was dangerous. Why? Because, okay, so there's people in the background doing things, working hard throughout President Trump's administration, before his administration. But we can only do so much, right? All the people that are working on things can only do so much. You have to do things. You, the people, actually have to do actionable items. You can't expect people to just uh, fix your problems for you. That's not the way it is. 
you have to do things. So I was thinking of um, reading out to you my affidavit. And I don't think it's time yet. But, but having said that, I think a portion of it, at least the introduction of it, should be a go, right? So let me get that up. I think it's it's, it's important that people um, hear just how it started because it started a long time ago. And that's what sucks, that it started a long time ago. And... Um, we think that we're we're fighting now to avoid something, but there's nothing to avoid since it was there beforehand. This is the end of it. This is the bottom. You can't go any further, right? This is it. And what you have to do is actually fight now. You've already been the slave. You are the slave. You are not free. You are a slave. And therefore, at this point, what you have to think about is, all right, since I'm the slave right now, I need to break these chains. And this is where we're at. I don't want anyone to think that, oh, we're avoiding slavery. This has happened. So I, and I say my name and a bunch of, legal stuff is the more concise one. I'm a private contractor for over 20 years with cooperation with corporations that contract with the government within the continental United States and outside of the United States. In 1999, about 25 attendees, including me, were debriefed, including Dunsford, Hayden, McCain, Clinton staffers, Brennan, and Cuthbertson, only in the end though with Mueller and other unidentified brass and first soldiers, Sergeant Gonzalez, they called him Speedy. At this meeting, McCain discussed the future of the new millennium, which included issues with paper punch holes and deployment, and discussed how the agency was sourcing the right software to ensure that elections were secure in the future. It was discussed by smaller developers and developed it right with China and the EU's assistance. I was tasked to be the localizer of the actual products. Unnamed country was the initial deployment to test and compete for Brennan's company that was to build out, to collect, compile, and analyze the data needed to secure elections in unnamed nations. At that point, I raised the question of integrity of elections. My question was, aren't the people supposed to be voting themselves? McCain's response was, we can't have people voting for their leaders. We need to make sure that the nations are in the right hands. I felt like I was the only one there who felt uncomfortable with McCain's speech, basically telling us that people were too stupid to elect their own leaders. The unnamed country deployment 
was the predecessor of the unnamed city in another country election, as the same software was used. Private contractors were employed. Brennan briefed the group on how to manipulate people to embrace new tech electronic voting machines by pushing anonymity after the localizer identified key issues and dynamics. I'm going to stop there. I was the localizer that identified key issues and dynamics within populations in order to have them embrace new technology. So there's more and more details and more names and more stuff. So that was in 99. I was young. I um, kind of like what Patrick Berge said. We built it to control other nations, our enemies. And in a sense, this is what was um, told to me. This is how I know about Curtis. Because Curtis was approached. He was working for a company named Yang. Chinese, hello, hello. Um, you know, but then when he came back home, he saw I was deployed within his own country. For me, I always had the sense, because the hanging chads happened, that it was actually formulated for everyone. And the competition, the the demand for the company to build it out first um, was being done among many nations. And to realize that it was nations competing against nations for a contract, you have to sit and think. Who was the one awarding the contract if so many companies representing different governments were competing? I, I'd like you to sit with that question. Who was the one requesting all of these things? And having nations and governments compete for the contract. So that's a question you should ask. So I'll, I'll leave it at that in regards to the election stuff for now. That's only a few lines in. It's a five-page <laughs> affidavit. So, um, and it's just words, no data words. Um, and I think this is the watered down one. I have a much longer one that I'm waiting for someone to send back to me rather than me and go and retrieve a hard drive from somewhere where I stored it. Now, on that, just so that you know how people think, do you guys remember back in 2020 when Bobolinsky went on Tucker and he started saying things and then he disappeared. Do you guys remember that? And how it was like, oh, the FBI tapped him and that's why he came out and started talking. Well, I want to show you something from Hunter's laptop. This is why he really went. It wasn't the FBI, but I knew it was something that had to do with him being scared. This is something I found on his laptop. Hold on. 
me see if I can make it bigger. So apparently, um, okay, there we go. Apparently, let me see if I can zoom in. On the 22nd of November, oh, wow, it came off, didn't it? Darn it. Maybe that will work now? No? It disappeared. Can you guys see it? No, right? I know. Um, here we go. All right. Can we see that? No, we can't. Hold on a second, guys. Let me try this again. Give me a sec. Let me do this again. You know, I've been having this problem for a while. Oh, shit. Oh, wrong one. Try this again. Is it not sharing the screen? It's not sharing the screen, is it? Oh, damn it. Are you kidding me? Let me see. Is it sharing this one now? Okay. I guess it doesn't want to share that. So I'm going to see if I can maneuver it somehow. Give me a second. Um, and put it there. Let's see if I can add it on. Um, can I put it on the screen? I'm trying to see if I can add it to the screen. Hmm. Let's see. Damn it. Let me see if I can save it. You know what I can do? There we go. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to clip art it and add it as a photo. How's that? That sounds good, right? That'll work. That'll definitely work. There we go. Work around, you guys. Work around because I really want you guys to see this. All right, where are we? Here we go. Let's see. Boom, workaround. So what you're seeing in front of you is an invoice from a consulting group, a security consulting group called Lowry and Associates in Texas. And it's dated the 22nd of November, 2017. And this was invoiced to Jim Biden. Jim Biden. On November 6th through 10th, they did a due diligence investigation and social media investigation on the following, Bobolinsky and Gillier. And then they consulted him with oral briefings on the foundings. They, char they, were, they charged them $2,000 for it. So when the laptop came out, right, 
they came out and did their homework on Bobulinski. And social media investigation is not where they left it, right? You understand that. So um, it's important that people understand the motivation behind someone when they come forward with things, um, always. Is it revenge? Is it to cover their ass? Is it, you know, the right thing to do? Is it, you know, they found Jesus? When Bobulinski was um, on Tucker, he was showing things that, that we have on the computer. Even his screenshots are on there, um, the texts. And so um, obviously people reached out to him to talk. So what I'm trying to explain is, even though the laptop was in the hands of people in late 2020, and they say it, um, uh, you know, it was broke by the post or whatever, I'm going to tell you this right now. For them to target Bobulinski and ask him questions and to have him come is because the people that gave it to the post or the post themselves have been working with a federal agency that had access as well because these documents were buried in places that very fine-tooth comb forensics can find. So this was them saying, look, they've got everything on you from 2017. They're going to put you in a corner because they investigated you. So you can come forward and talk and validate these things, or you can die in the darkness. The question is, where's Bobulinski now? That's a question everybody should be asking. Where is he? Was he just a clown that came on and he entertained everyone and disappeared? It is a very serious question. Where is he? And is he alive? Is he dead? Is he okay? Why is nobody asking? So they got their story going, they had a media cycle, and then they dropped the guy, where is he? So that's, that's, that's one, right? This is what the media does. This is what the people do. They do these things because they don't care about others. They care about themselves. Now, I wanted to show you something. No, actually, I'm going to read it. Hold on. Hold on. I need to find the right sentence. This is going to receive lunch. I want you guys to understand just how messed up it is to be Hunter Biden. Now, you know, obviously, um, it's not okay what he's done in his life, but can you blame a child that was groomed in that and doesn't know anything better. Um, I'm trying to find a specific text that I wanted to show you. So you can, you know, put yourself, I'm saying the things that are evil are just evil. But what if you knew nothing but evil? It's like you're brought up to know that smacking babies or punching them in the face or, you know, pulling someone's hair and dragging them is love. Can you blame someone who's been brought up like that? You can't, right? You can't. I mean, I mean, at some point, I'm pretty sure they realized it's wrong, but did they really know it's wrong if they thought that 
you know, it was normal. Um, mm, damn it. Where is this? There's so many of these. Ugh, I can't find it. It just came to mind for you guys to see that his own family was colluding behind his back to get a hold of his phone so that they can use things against him. Um, it's pretty sad when you see it because, you know, um, it, it's just, it's heartbreaking. I would say more than anything, it's heartbreaking to see this man. Uh, there it is. He was at Joe Biden's house. All right. So, um, okay. Let me show you this. I have to snip it, right? And make it a picture. I'm not going to. But these are conversations that are being had about Hunter at um, Joe Biden's house. Let me get this up for you. How to do that whole runaround thing. There it is. Oops, wrong one. There we go. I have to go to this Buccini thing with my parents at hotel. We'll be finished at 1230. I'd say then free. We'll call you and come meet you then. That works. Sounds great. Everything okay there? Yeah, we're going to go get food now. Hunt, exhausted. Okay, thanks, miss. Hi, we're in car now. Be there at 11. It's okay. They're asleep now. See you when you get here. Pulling in. Okay. Everything okay? Just got out of shower. And then we looking for his phone. This is in the AM of the next day. Little hint in Pop's bathroom. Where? He was changing in, in there. He was charging it in there on pop sink. He plugged it in before he went to bed. Okay. Spoke to Case. Oh my God, that's awesome. Not going, but love you for everything. Oh, these are conversations his family members would have. They would, and these messages were actually taken because Hunter knew that something was wrong. He actually took their phones and copied them and had all their information in there. All their information in there. So he was copying their phones and backing them up when he would find them because he was suspicious of the things that they were doing to him too. And, you know, imagine living like that. Imagine even your kids would be working with other people. So on his laptop, there were all his kids' phones backed up, Haley's phones backed up, some of Ashley's stuff backed up, everything. He was so paranoid because he was trying to escape and he felt like all of them were boxing him in. I mean, this is going to be coming out soon, most of this. Um, you know, no one can say he was an idiot. He completed deals like no other. He conducted deals uh, with very high-level people. But in January, after my hooker had a conversation with him, he started to change his view on how to see things. He planned this. This was like a pre-planned, I'm going to drop everything. Um, he was using his computer and phone up until the last minute. Um, a couple of days before he dropped it off, he went and purchased a new phone, a new phone case, a new computer and everything just a couple of days before, um, he dropped off his stuff. So, you know, 
all he needed to hear was, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, stop, Tori. Listen, he was a very high functioning crackhead, but he was actually a very broken human being. And the hooker, all she, all she needed to do. And I, and I, and I, and when, when I told her, all I want you to do is empower him to break free from this, you know, weird prison he's in, right? All you have to do is do what you're doing. You're getting paid to have sex and do drugs with him. Just go do it. But you need to tell him that he doesn't have to do this anymore. It's going to hurt very little. And then he's going to be free. And he doesn't have to put up with all of this. He doesn't have to put up with people keeping him in. He doesn't have to put up with being the face of businesses that he doesn't even own and, and making so much money and everybody else is getting it. And he's begging people for a couple thousand dollars. You know, he likes hookers and crack, right? He can have all the hookers and crack he wants without someone telling him I'm not giving it to you. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable to see that his dad was vice president and he was hitting up his dad's chief of staff to cash app him some money because he was broke. And I'm thinking, how are you broke when you've got $4 million in the bank? That's because he never had it. He was a prisoner from a child. So this hooker, her job was simply to do what she was called to do as she's done before, which is give him the sexual pleasure he wants and do the drugs together. For me, my ask was, tell him that he can break free. He has every right to break free. It's not fair that his soul is tormented when he can make choices on his own because he feels like he can't make choices. He feels like he can't make choices. He feels like he's in a box. And so, you know, it was a lot more simpler. And this is why he had sent that text saying, you know, I'm done with this. I, I, Rudy Giuliani has been talking about this text for forever and a day. Um, let me let me screen cap it for you because I can't seem to upload things um, so you can see it. Because it's, it's one of the most important texts um, that he had um, sent to his daughter, Naomi. And let me see. Save. All right, let me put it up so you can see it. This is where you knew it was coming to an end for him. Like he was done. It was just a couple days with my hooker. <laughs> Fantastic, right? I mean, bottom line is it's just help him break free. It wasn't so much I want to get the story. It's he gets free, the world gets free. Here we go. Because just because he's not a good human being on what he's done, it doesn't mean that he needs to be tormented further. Let me read it to you because it may be a little bit blurry. January 3rd, <laughs> three days in. Really, I did just that. You figure out from this semester on and the rest of her life how to figure out how you can support yourself I never give you, I, I never give you another dime. If you want to go to pop, that's fine. I love you, but you never fight for even what's best for your sister. Find an apartment with Peter by next week and send me the keys and leave all my furniture and art. I love you, but I don't receive any respect. And that's fine. I guess works for you. Apparently hope you all can do what I did 
and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard. But don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. She says, miss you, Dad, so much. I'm sorry I disappointed you. It makes me so sad. I love you. That was her response three days after he told her that. My daughter responds to me three days later after I tell her, I'm totally disowning you. I'm tired of this. I'm trapped. I'm paying for everyone's shit and nobody respects me. I mean, look, let's be honest. He's not going to get a lot of respect because she's seeing him dating his dead brother's wife and they're doing drugs together and all this stuff and Obama and the kids and all this crap, right? But it was at that point that he was talking about how she's not doing things that are good for her sister either. Like everyone's out for themselves. And if you read Ashley Biden's diary, she also said that she felt guilty that she didn't support Hunter when he would, you know, lash out. So this hooker did her job. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I only know her hooker name. <laughs> Don't know her real name. And she takes cash only, by the way. And I made that so, so, because, you know, Hunter used to pay her with Venmo and Cash App. So, um, you know, he paid so many of them. Go ahead, try to find her. <laughs> well, they probably could because he only had a few hookers for New Year's. Um, after the Chinese um, lady did a number on him a couple the year before that. But anyway, um, at that point he was at the intersection of what do I do with my life? How am I going to escape? He had 72 hours of that ear wigging, which was very important. And this is how it began. And here's where you'll see how it ended. After he did it. So he got his laptop in February. And then in March. His sister. Ashley. Sends him. This text. How are you doing? A card I found. I forgot to send. Found as I'm cleaning out my office. Wait where is the next one? Before that. Damn it. I needed the one before it. I screenshot it. Give me a second. That's Ashley, his stepsister. The one that was handling the girls where they were looking to her for approval. Can we say this? Can we say that? Give me a second. Let me get the right one up for you guys. Come on. There we go. You ready? How are you feeling about this? I miss you, March 11th. So they were in on it and they had discussed it because he reached out to his sibling. So everything that's about to come out in the next few months is important for you to understand that these are people too. If you see the card that he sent her was, you're amazing. And inside it says, you're not alone. I love you. XO, Ash. This is Ashley sending the photo It's ending that card to Hunter. You're not alone. I love you. They're all ready. They were going to all get together and get this done. This is what happens. Just like you, the people, are no longer putting up with this slavery, they didn't want to be slaves either. 
Could you imagine being born only to solidify a marriage with Joe Biden after his wife died a couple years later? And then your mother not giving a shit about you and not taking care of that? See, you're going to be in pain as a child. God knows, I know all of us at some point have had that traumatic experience, some more than others. These people, specifically Hunter, you know, it took a long time to be able to get the right angle because you don't need someone to go steal your information. You don't need someone to go and do something dirty. You need someone to approach people that are causing harm because they're in pain the right way. And say, when you release your pain, it's going to hurt for a little bit. It's like alcohol on a cut. It's going to sting. But after that, you're free. That's the best way to redemption, number one. Number two, look how many billions of people his release has helped. I know you don't see it yet. But I want you to remember that sometimes those that are hurting the most, obviously we know this, you know, like bullies, you've seen the movie where the bully's beating up on the kids and you're like, oh my God, what an ass. Where the fuck are his parents? Exactly. His dad's a drunk beating the shit out of him. Who knows? He might be getting raped by his dad and his dad's friends. And that's why he comes to school and pisses all over everyone, right? It's because he's exasperating that anger. Well, what was Hunter supposed to do? His mom and his sister were killed. Then this lady comes along as his new wife and boom, new sister, right, right there. And, you know, his sister's going through stuff with her daddy in the shower, right? And he sees that. You think he didn't see it? God is very forgiving. I mean, wherever this hooker is, thank you. Because I just realized after going through things, just how big of an impact that was. And I'm, oh, and I am so glad that other hooker from that crack house, you know, that, that was friends with a friend of mine that was a, a person <laughs> called me and said, his iPad is here. And you know, the initial, I was so upset. I was like, here we have his iPad and his iPhone and somebody can clone it at the crack house. And we couldn't get it cloned fast enough. And I said, well, you know, that would be dishonest. That would be stealing. Right? That would be stealing. <laughs> I guess God said, no, Tori, you're not going to get anyone there in time to copy that. And he's going to find his shit and come back and get it. Because little did you know, just a little while later, din, 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 you know, the sound that iPads and iPhones make. And it's like, damn it. Never underestimate a hooker. Hookers have been beside kings and queens. And, um, you know... I guess God wanted it to be the right way, which is for him to feel relief. But now I want you guys to think, where's Ashley? Married to a facial reconstruction surgeon, and you don't see her. And Hunter Biden is married to some South African woman he doesn't know and is playing daddy to a kid that may or may not be his. Then no one's seeing him. He's a prisoner in that house he bought for a dollar in California. See how that works? Britney Spears, rich, beautiful, fantastic. She was a prisoner too. She was like a dancing, you know, show pony, right? What do you think Hunter is? A show pony as well.
Only they let him do drugs so they can blame it on him if they ever got caught. So, um, again, when we speak of our enemies, and I think Jordan Peterson nailed it, you know, we should speak of them with compassion. I, I forget that many times, right? Because I know the atrocities that they committed. How can you forgive someone that has done something so atrocious to another human being or a child or just a nation or anything? And I'm not saying that all of those are consistent with Ashley and Hunter and, and, and. How do you forgive them? It's like, wait a minute. It's not up to me to forgive. God forgives anyone. So everyone's redeemable. The question that we're going to assess from all these interviews is, why did the FBI raid O'Keefe right now, though? So I'll see you guys right after this break, and we'll discuss that. Paranoia is in bloom. The PR transmissions will resume. They'll try to push drugs to keep us all dumbed down and hope that we will never see the truth around. Another promise, another seed, another packaged lie to keep us trapped in greed. You see the green belt wrapped around our minds. Endless red tape to keep the truth confined. Welcome back. So that was a quick intermission. And a lot of you are asking why I'm showing people slaves being patrolled by something disgusting. But if you actually focus on the picture, there's a man to the right who's just about ready to stand up. See, it's only a man that's already on his knees that has nowhere else to go. I mean, he's already eating dirt and that's you. That's everyone. Everyone is eating dirt right now. Is there anywhere else you can go? Are they going to kill you? Nobody cares. Right? Okay. I'd rather die standing up than on my knees, right? Well, think about it. That is the key here. If you have no lower that you can go, because remember, power is only given to people that are willing to lower themselves to get it, right? And so many times in the these past days, the only thing I see is that people are looking for extreme possibilities, right? That makes you completely blind to the probable explanation. While others look to, you know, all these heroes that are going to save them, right? Or be angry at them, the big guys, you know? They're going to, you know, be angry they're going to do this. They're going to do that. You know who you should be scared of most? The fury of a patient man or, or woman. That's where you should worry more about. And that's very important because for every single 
thing. There's a season, there's a time for everything. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to sow, a time to pluck what you have planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal. Now, right now, the government is forcing you. Force is the only mean used against your enemies. So, in other words, your government right now, the one that is has been selected and installed, the installed government considers you an enemy. Now, there's no need for us to waste our time looking back, so, so they say. Uh, for educational purposes, yes. But to anger yourself, no. Because you're not going that way. It's, you know, no matter what anyone says, these people are simply human. And for some reason, the people in the Senate and Congress, those that have occupied our White House executive office benches, they are only human. They're not gods. And they have themselves in their life had dreams and failings in all shapes and forms. But the one thing that, that should ring true is that someone that seems complicated is very interesting, right? Someone that's complicated is interesting. But keep in mind, that interesting, complicated person is also extremely dangerous. And they know that. And they think that you're simple, but you're not. And you could be the man on the left crying and hoping that someone's going to come on a white horse and a sword to save you. Or you could be the man on the right who's kind of looking ready to stand. This is where you're at. So now with that in mind, I want you to understand what death rattles look like. And we're going to analyze all of the um, interviews that um, Project Veritas had. And I want you to listen carefully to what they rated, why they rated, what he knows about it. And maybe you'll be able to also see exactly what they were after. Law expert and Fox News contributor, Jonathan Turley. Uh, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you very much. So in your opinion, does the FBI have authority to do this raid? Was there, was there enough evidence of a crime to be, that was committed to have them take that kind of action? Well, that's the curious aspect of this story. I wrote on my blog that there are five questions that need to be answered, and they're serious questions. A lot of people are critical of Project Veritas, but it meets the definition of a journalistic organization. It does many of the things journalistic organizations do. And the question is, why is this a federal crime? You know, this is a missing diary that some people say was left in a room. Uh, President Biden's daughter says it was stolen. But why isn't it a state offense as opposed to a federal investigation? Also, this is occurring long after the loss of this diary. Has this investigation been going on since the start of the administration? All those questions are still unanswered, and they need to be answered. I mean, the investigation is not a secret. They can answer these questions. But it also brings up memories of how the FBI has intervened in the past for Biden family members. The FBI reportedly responded when Hunter Biden's handgun uh, was tossed away behind a restaurant. Uh, and a lot of people asked at that time, why would the FBI, this is when President Biden was vice president,
Why would the FBI be involved in that if that's true? This is not the fetch it bureau for first families. You know, and it does raise questions about the, the promise made by the Biden administration that it was going to be more careful with dealing with media figures. If you recall not long ago, Tucker Carlson mm -hmm. was unmasked. Uh, in what turned out to be surveillance. Other media figures were also involved in related stories. The Biden administration promised that they had a whole new set of policies to make sure this wouldn't happen again. Where are those? Do you remember about the unmasking? Do you remember how I wrote that article and then a little while later it was discovered that they were unmasked? Do you remember that? It's all like <laughs> coming like, oh, are you paying attention? Because we're going to play a couple of these interviews and I want you to, to, to look at it. If they're coming now, even though the whole diary is published, I'm more than happy to share that on Telegram for you guys. Um, that whole diary started in January, go figure, right after Ashley and Hunter had talks after my hooker got done with him. See, it's, it's, it's all about giving the tools to someone to better themselves, their situation, right? If you can do that, miracles happen, not just for you, but like ripples, they go across oceans. And this is what is coming to. Policies now. Well, turn, turning back to the diary itself, what is the possible impact of the DOJ, you know, setting their sights on journalists? And you alluded to this a little bit, but is there any difference between Project Veritas, which is known for some of its guerrilla journalism uh, techniques and has faced criticism that it's more of a political operation than a, a press organization? Uh, is there any difference there? Well, this is part of the controversy also with Julian Assange. How do you define a journalist? And there are good faith arguments that Project uh, Veritas is more political than journalistic. They insist they are journalistic, but the, what they do is often indistinguishable in terms of receiving whistleblower information or material that was taken from another source. The New York Times gets information all the time from agencies, businesses that were taken from those areas uh, without approval. And so the question here is, why would the FBI be coming in on this? Project Veritas said it didn't run the, the information and notified local enforcement. And so there is a legitimate concern when the FBI becomes involved in this type of story as to whether it is going outside those navigational beacons that we, uh, we use to judge whether they're acting independently. It's a curious, uh, a curious story to follow. I'm certainly interested in seeing how it all turns out. Uh, Jonathan Turley, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. She's curious to see how it turns out. You mean how actual journalists are supposed to function? <laughs> So weird, so weird. So um, I think we should turn to um, his Hannity um, interview. Well, this is the legal analyst on Hannity and then um, James on Hannity, is it? So let's listen to O'Keefe and then let's listen to the legal analyst. I want you to listen to what James O'Keefe had to say, and then the legal analyst. And tonight, a major development.
FBI raided the home of Project Veritas CEO and founder James O'Keefe, along with other Project Veritas journalists, as part of an investigation into a diary believed to have been written by Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley. Now, according to O'Keefe, within an hour of the first raid last week, the New York Times reached out for comment. Now, how did the Times know about the search warrant so quickly? I don't know. It's just one of many unanswered questions. Kind of sounds like that. I want you to think about that for a second. So the New York Times is a uh, press outlet, correct? Yet they knew of secret subpoenas and raids, which tells you that they are not a press outlet. I'm trying to just give you the derived notions here. That pre-dawn raid on Roger Stone, fake news CNN cameras just happened to be there uh, at five o'clock morning. Anyway, here to explain more, his first interview, he is the CEO and founder of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, along with his attorney, Paul uh, Calli is with us. Uh, welcome both of you. James, I think it's important to establish other media and I'm not comparing you to other media, but other media use undercover cameras and have for many, many years, like even 60 Minutes and uh, NBC's To Catch a Predator, right? That this, this is not a new form of journalism. You acknowledge that? Well, Sean, on Saturday morning, uh, I acknowledge that, but I woke up to a pre-dawn raid uh, banging on my door. I went to the door to answer the door, and there were 10 FBI agents with a battering ram uh, white blinding lights. They turned me around, handcuffed me, and threw me against the hallway. Uh, I was partially clothed in front of my neighbors. Uh, they confiscated my phone. They raided my apartment. On my phone were many of my reporter's notes, a lot of my sources unrelated to this story, and a lot of confidential donor information to our news organization, Sean. So I I've heard the phrase, the process is the punishment. I didn't really understand what that meant. So what did he tell you during this that he had in his phone notes that he had in his phone donor information? What was the January 6th charade about? Finding out the donors, finding out the money, not the real ones, what they want. It's really important for people to understand that your best assets are never attached to you in any shape or form. I hope you're paying attention until this weekend and and sean i wouldn't wish this on any journalist let me let me go into the issue like anybody that works in any form of of journalism or in the press in any capacity whether you're a talk show host like me or doing what you do or doing what anybody else does in the course of doing your work you have sources correct you have whistleblowers you have people giving you tips all the time to what extent can you tell us the context under which you were given this diary. I assume you did not take the diary yourself, did you not? Is that correct? That's correct. I'll speak to that, Sean, if I can. Um, an anonymous source contacted Project Veritas and indicated the source had in its lawful possession a copy of the diary that the source said belonged to Ashley Biden. Project Veritas had no prior contact with the source. The source had a lawyer. The lawyer engaged in negotiations with Veritas's in-house counsel. In the resulting written agreement, like so many news organizations do, Veritas, uh, the, the, the source again, affirmed that it had lawful possession of the source material. In exchange for that, Veritas agreed to pay money for the right 
to publish the material. As you know, Sean, uh, Veritas never did. It killed the story on the newsroom floor. It went a step further and it turned the material into local law enforcement. The actions of President Biden's Department of Justice in this case are unprecedented because there's let, let decades me, let me go of into Supreme this. Court precedent. J James, I've known you for a long time. You had no direct knowledge that what this source was giving you was, could in any way have been stolen. You, at, you were not able to corroborate the authenticity of the diary and you never ran it. At what point then did you go to law enforcement on your own unsolicited and tell them that you had this in your possession and might be somebody else's? Let's take that apart for a second. A source contacts Project Veritas through an attorney and the attorney negotiates to give it to them for a fee to publish and they receive it. They read it. You know, she wrote in those pages, aside from the handwriting, there's fingerprints. And you have to think, do you not believe that Project Veritas may have done their due diligence in receiving this? And considering the crimes that were mentioned, the potential crimes, do you not think that the responsible thing is to say, this is pretty bad. I'm going to give it to the authorities. So the authorities receive it. And now the enslaved person is under attack. Now they have it. They have your fingerprints. They know it's real. They knew this. How do we fix this? We need to make sure he can never run for office again. Let's find a way to make sure he can never run for office again. Listen, bitches, no matter what you say, he's taking office again. Not because we're in love with Donald Trump. Not because Donald Trump is God Donald Trump, right? It's because he symbolizes our win. You fucked up. See, we would have been okay. We would have been okay with him not being president again and putting someone else up. But you just made him our symbol. Trump won. That's been going on for a while. He symbolizes what you did. So I want you to pay attention. They know the jig is up. They know we have more. And they're pretty sure he has it. <laughs> but no matter how you try, boy, it's going to be quite fascinating how they're going to turn this on. Well, you know, he can't be president again. So we got to find a way. I'm pretty sure our tipster said. <laughs> oh, Joe. Well, Sean, I mean, we, you know, we get sources come to us all the time. We have thousands of sources come to Project Veritas, the routine nature of journalism to, uh, to, to be shown information from a variety of sources. Um, but this is an attack on the First Amendment by the Department of Justice. Uh, we, we didn't, we didn't uh, publish the story. We, uh, we couldn't authenticate well, the story, so our journalists looked into it. We, couldn't, we did not publish then, the story because we you, could not authenticate it. Which, by the way, if you can't authenticate it, then you, you did the right thing. At what point did you feel a need to bring this to law enforcement? At what point in the process did that happen? After the 
decision was made to kill the story and not run it. I, I gotta add one thing if I could, Sean. You use the S word. It's really important to understand not to buy the premise that the diary's stolen. I, it, no, nobody Well, that nobody was my next question. If that's the case. I, I, I have been reading all over the internet, everywhere in between, that she claims it was stolen, but other people claim it might have been left in a, a, a former place of residence of hers. Do we have an answer to that question? We do, but, you know, I think people might look at me and say that I'm crazy for talking about the facts at the level I have already, and so I'm going to respectfully say that's going to come out. It's going to be awfully favorable to James and awfully favorable to his news organization. Well, I think but it's awfully I, interesting I that limit. James is the one that brought it to law enforcement's attention. Let me ask this question. What is the alleged crime th that they have here? I don't know. This was they didn't tell you? turned in a year ago. Well, the search warrant has misprison of a felony, accessory after the fact, and transporting material across state lines as the basis for raiding the home of a journalist and seizing his work papers and journalist notes. Um, I would assume both of you are pretty familiar. Wait a minute. Let's listen to that again. What are the charges again? What does the warrant say? Let me ask this question. What is the alleged crime that they have here? I don't know. This was they didn't tell you? turned in a year ago. Well, the search warrant has misprison of a felony, accessory after the fact, and transporting material across state lines as the basis for raiding the home of a journalist and seizing his work papers and journalist notes. Um, I would assume both of you are pretty familiar with Daniel Ellsberg and the Pentagon Papers case and the New York Times obtaining uh, stolen top secret documents that they were publishing. They actually set a precedent in the U.S. Supreme Court in a 6-3 decision that said they had the right to publish it even though that was stolen material. Do you see some? It's, it's entirely similar. There's no exception to Mr. O'Keefe and Project Veritas. The right. Just that we're clear, misprison of a felony is when, you know, someone knows that a felony has been committed but fails to inform the authorities about it. He turned the diary in because it was riddled with felonies. So, he not only did that, but he's an accessory because someone sold him the diary through an attorney. There's an attorney present that negotiated it. So why would they say he's an accessory to something that was stolen? And then if you go deeper into that, they're saying that he transported things across state lines sounds super weird so it was picked up and then transported across state lines like from his office to his house think about it what are they really after here you gotta think what are they really after here to take the material knowing it was stolen the right to seek comment, the right to investigate, and ultimately the right to publish. This is outrageous and unprecedented. And journalists did, everywhere, on either why, side. Why, if you went to authorities a year ago, if I'm understanding you correctly, why did this come up now? James? 
Listen, I'm James. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Sean. Let's answer that question. It's because the clock is running out, and they're not after Ashley. They want to make sure he can't get back into office. They're grasping for straws. I, I don't know the answer to that, Sean. But this is—they've um, crossed the bridge here. Uh, of, if they can do this to me, um, these are about certain principles that are so fundamental. Our First Amendment in this country. I, I'm calling upon all journalists to to take a stand against this. A source comes to us with information. I don't even decide to publish it. If they can do this to me, if they can do this to this journalist and raid my home and take my reporter notes, they'll do it to any journalist. This is about something very fundamental in this country. Uh, I, I don't know what direction this country is going in, but, 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 but journalists everywhere have to rise up because we broke no laws here. They could do it to me, they'll do it to anybody. So when they came to your house in this pre-dawn raid and they threw handcuffs on you and pulled you out of your house and 10 agents go inside, um, we just, when they, I assume they took items out of your house and office as I understand it. Uh, at that point, did they just take the handcuffs off and say, see you later? They spent uh, about over two hours in my, uh, my apartment and they confiscated two of my iPhones. And again, these phones contained a lot of source information and reporter notes on them. Uh, these are serious First Amendment issues uh, and, and, and donor information to our news foundation. So yeah, it's, it's troubling. Um, and uh, I, I, I asked to speak with my attorney a, a few times. They, they allowed me to do that. But uh, I, I was kind of in a state of uh, shock frankly I, I i can't believe this is happening what well, let me let me go back i'm trying to understand this so a year prior you go to law enforcement on your own that you have a source gives you information you don't know where it came from you try to corroborate it you're unable to do so issues arise as to where where this might have come from you on your own a year prior go to law enforcement did you hand over to them at the time this this diary and did you have any indication where the diary Correct. came from james came from the source sean as i said it, it, you, the source gave us the information, and, and uh, we, didn't, we didn't know if it was stolen or not. We don't know that. Um, I would assume uh, that but journalists gonna... throughout the 20th century have been uh, journalists throughout the 20th century have been given information. You know, the Washington Post and the New York Times are given information inside all manner of institutions, and they're protected by the Supreme Court of the United States to publish that information that a source gives to them. So Did there's no distinction between. The... Did they ask you for the name of the source? Are you going to protect that source? Well, insofar as they have my reporter's notes on the phone they confiscated from the pre-dawn raid, they have access to the contents of my iPhone, which is deeply troubling and should outrage the ACLU and any other journalist in the United States. They have well, access breath, to James. They don't all care. Of the contents from my phone. Uh, believe me, if, if, Look, if it's not... Look, I sent a letter. I, I... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Sorry. I sent him a letter. Last word. I let him. I sent him a letter. I sent him a letter. I let him know that I represent James, and the, the in the normal course, the material on the phone that they're entitled to have uh, would have been produced promptly. Um, it's the other material on there 
that is deeply troubling. This is they the First Amendment. It's an assault. Would this, sorry, on a scale of one to ten, how damaging, if this turned out to be true, you haven't been able to authenticate it, if it turned out to be true, how damaging would this be to the president and his family? James? Look, you know the answer to that? Well, I mean, I think, I think I, again, I, I couldn't authenticate the source material. I had a newsroom at the time. We were looking through it for a, a little while. We, we couldn't authenticate it, so I decided not to run it. And I'm trying to figure out what more we could have done as journalists. What, what, what more could I have done but not run the story and hand it over to law enforcement? I don't know what more we could have done. And, and so we decided not to publish the story. So what, what on earth, what, what, what action could we have taken as reporters beyond the action that we've I, taken? I, you're you're, you're raising a great question. And, decide and, why, not why, to did, and why did it take a year? Um, all right, we're going to continue to follow the story. James O'Keefe, thank you, Paul. Thank you for being with us. What more could he have done? This has, first of all, it validates because she said that it was stolen and they said someone had it legally in their possession. They want to know who had it in their possession and negotiated with an attorney, which now they know. Thank you, Ray. So the problem here is allow them to fiddle through, allow them to push through. You're going to watch just how they're going to try to weaponize this and how they will fail. They don't want him running again. They will try this. Now I want you to listen to what the legal analyst had to say about what the Southern District of New York and the Department of Justice has done. To Project Veritas. Take a listen. This is. I want to get some more legal analysis of this as we bring in Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett. Uh, Greg, it seems I'll let you be the professional here. I look at Pentagon Papers. I look at that 6-3 landmark Supreme Court decision. We're talking about yeah. stolen materials published by the New York Times. They won that case when they joined with the Washington Post. Uh, your, your, what is your take on this case? And, and more recently, when uh, Donald Trump's tax returns were stolen, did uh, the DOJ go and the FBI go barging through the doors of journalists at The New York Times? Of course they didn't. You know, what the Southern District of New York and the Department of Justice done to James O'Keefe and his fellow journalists is outrageous, and it's lawlessness. And I laughed a moment ago when they said, in the search warrant, the crime was identified as misprison of felony, which is a dusty old law that is a joke that is not enforced anymore. Uh, it says you have a duty to notify law only applies to public officials. First of all, this isn't a federal case. Uh, this is a, a state case. The theft of a diary, for God's sakes. Why are the feds involved in this? Yes, there are nine federal statutes on theft, but they all deal with theft of government property. This isn't government property. Second of all, Merrick Garland's dirty fingerprints are all over this because under DOJ rules, he has to sign off on a warrant or a, a subpoena for a news organization. Third, this is his order four months ago. Merrick Garland, there's his signature, prohibiting warrants and subpoenas on news organizations and journalists related to leak cases 
And the standards he sets forth here, protection of First Amendment rights, apply to this case, which he is ignoring. And finally, has ignored the federal regulations that require him and the DOJ to recuse themselves because of a conflict of interest. The president presides over the DOJ. The feds are not allowed to investigate a case involving an immediate family member. This is the weaponization and the politicization of the DOJ, and it's shameful. Apparently, the source to James O'Keefe said that this diary was found abandoned. The narrative of, I guess, the the president's daughter is uh, that this was stolen. That is yet to be determined. But that's what James O'Keefe was told. Does the fact that he didn't run the story because he couldn't corroborate it, and he, on his own a year ago, went to law enforcement the question I have is why now? Why at this point? What did right. he do wrong here? What possible uh, crime are we looking at here? He did nothing wrong, and there's no crime that he committed. Uh, as I say, misprison of felony is an absolute joke. And it, it underscores in my mind uh, that the prosecutors in the Southern Districts are either idiots or morons if they think that that applies under these circumstances. He didn't print it. He handed it off to law enforcement. Well, wait a minute, but sake. this was the FBI uh, that raided. This is the FBI with yeah. the pre-dawn raid on his house. Look, it's disappointing that Christopher Ray would allow the FBI to be misused and abused by Merrick Garland and Joe Biden's White House in what is clearly a political vendetta. If you have information derogatory about Joe Biden, Merrick Garland will come after you with a vengeance. That was the point, to make everyone scared. But think of it this way. Let's pretend I'm Christopher Wray. And they're like, oh my gosh, they're working on shit. Holy crap, in just a little bit, we're not going to be in office. They're outing us. The whole world is angry at us. We're losing control. This virus isn't working. We can't bring aliens. They'll laugh us off the stage. (laughs) Damn it. These people are filing lawsuits left and right. They're going to keep filing them. Keep filing. Keep filing. Remember that story from the Bible? She kept going to the judge, kept going. He said no. He said no. Till he said yes. So Ray's like, you know what? Let's go raid him. Let's see what they're doing. Okay, let's do it. Let's weaponize it. Let's say this. Let's use a law that's not applied to citizens. And let's do this. Fuck the First Amendment. And let's tell the New York Times that we're doing it. So it just enrages people even more. And let's go. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Let's do it, Biden. Let's do it. They, let's do it. Sure, I'll sign off on it. It doesn't matter. Everybody hates me anyway. My name's Christopher Ray. They all hate me. Let's do it. Sure. Oh, shit. You don't say who turned it in. Holy crap. Oh, no. Look what else James O'Keefe has. Oh, no. And the idea was we can't do it, but what if we find stuff that can help us stop Trump? Mm Mm-hmm. Then we'll just do it. (laughs) See, again, power is never given to someone unless they lower themselves to pick it up. You got to be real low to grab power. Low to grab power. So rays of light on that one are going to come. Let's look at another report. This one is by Tucker. Let's take a look. 
story for you tonight. So right before the last election, the president's daughter, Ashley Biden, somehow was separated from her diary. She says it was stolen. So in the pretext of that, a year later, FBI agents just raided the homes of several working journalists, including a current employee at Project Veritas. They broke down doors in pre-dawn raids. They were trying to seize material that might embarrass the Biden family. Their boss was upset, and so they did this for him. Pretty amazing, really. So we're going to begin with the statement from the head of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe. Here's his summary of what happened. Ms. Biden's father's Department of Justice, specifically the United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, appears to be investigating the situation, claiming the diary was stolen. We don't know if it was, but it begs the question, in what world is the alleged theft of a diary investigated by the president's FBI and his Department of Justice a diary? So that's a really good question. Okay, so the FBI, DOJ, is saying that Ashley Biden's diary was stolen in a burglary. Now, we can't verify it either way. That does not appear to be true. Actually, it seems like Ashley Biden left the diary in a house when she moved out. But whatever, let's say for the sake of argument that the diary was stolen. The FBI raids still don't make any sense. No one is claiming these journalists stole the diary. The material in question is already public. Some of it's pretty awful. It's been on the internet for a year. We decided not to cover, by the way. It's awful. But most amazingly, and the point that O'Keefe makes is the one that stands. Since when does the FBI respond to domestic burglaries? Can you call the DOJ the next time your car gets broken into? Oh, you're not the president's drug-addicted kid? Okay, got it. This is totally third world. And it's an attack on press freedom, obviously. You're raiding a journalist's house because that journalist may have had something to do with embarrassing the president's kid? Where's the White House Correspondents Association on this? All the press freedom people. If you're looking for an aggressive attack on freedom of the press, there you have it. Maybe someone should say something. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. But there's really nothing to say. You just have to watch. Enjoy this, what is it? Act 15? Enjoy. <coughs> Cut. Let's go. It's going to be getting very interesting. Now, even though all of this is happening, for some reason the courts are granting a stay on discovery now. I want you to listen to this. This came out today by James. Keith from Project Veritas, Veritas here. here. The, the New York, York Supreme Court Appellate Division has issued an order delaying our depositions in Project Veritas v. New York Times. You already know we defeated the New York Times' attempt to dismiss our defamation lawsuit against them. That meant that we could put them under oath, depose them, and show the world exactly who the New York Times is. But the New York Times could not let that happen. They appealed the motion to dismiss and then asked our court to stop us from deposing them until the appeal is resolved, which could take years. Well, they lost that too. Then they appealed that loss to the appellate division, and the appellate division just ruled the New York Times shouldn't be deposed until the appeal of the motion to dismiss is over. Doesn't sound like something that's afoot. That's some seriously fuckery. That's some serious fuckery. So now that decides the courts are now playing footsie, covering for government assets that are posing as private organizations. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is exactly what we have in front of us. Government assets posing as private 
assets. So fascinating. Now, there's this channel that I love, Unexplained Mysteries. Now, I don't usually play a lot of their stuff, but I thought I'd end it with this um, because this is also an option of something that may or may not be coming. I mean, they'll try anything. But for now, they're just looking for anything. Remember, they had gone through all of President Trump's financials. They had gone through everyone's around him financial. They stole his IRS records and nobody did anything, right? <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. You know, when it comes out that there was no theft and it was handed over the way it was handed over, that it was deliberately left the way they had planned because his computer shows that they were planning. I mean, how do you hide that? Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't matter what the truth is. It's the story we're going to tell the people and what they're going to hear from us. Again, January 6th, everyone's still in jail, right? Everyone's still in jail. Everyone's in jail and they can't get out. Everyone's in jail and they can't get out. No speedy trial for them. No civil rights for them. And while people are petitioning to the courts to stop the jabs, because they have rights. The courts turn around and say, you know what? You need to shut up. Go get another fucking job if you don't like the company. It's like, wait a minute. That's not the point. Everyone's going at it the wrong way. The wrong way. I feel really sad that so many good people are being humbled because they thought they had a handle. It's important to pay attention to the details. It's important to understand where you're at. You're only free on paper. That's the only thing left. Do you guys remember, um, for those of you that had followed me, do you guys remember what my tagline was in my Twitter handle. For those of you that do, or any of you that may have had a screenshot, would be fantastic. It's important that we remember a few things from a long time ago to see how things are now and where they're going. There are a lot of good people in the shadows working. Kind of like a factory. The machines are humming. They're well-oiled. They can do their job. But in order for the machines to do their job, the people have to breathe life into the factory. They have to work. They have to turn up. You need to keep turning up. You need to stop being lazy. You need to stop waiting for someone to save you. You need to be stepping it up. Letters, emails, lawsuits. You got 50 bucks, file it in your local state. Worst thing they could do is say, fuck you, no. Got 200 bucks, 300 by 400, file it in a federal suit. Do it. Help the factory run. 
It'll be a lot quicker. Now, let's get to this um, sexy topic. The International Space Station, of which can be used by, by all nations and governments in a joint effort to further research in all areas. Of course, attempting to understand a brave new frontier comes with a variety of strange and mysterious circumstances that researchers are still trying to better understand. The International Space Station has four high-definition cameras, and on NASA's website there's live cameras that allow you to watch what's going on above our planet. Interestingly though, during some of these people have noticed some odd things. Now it's important to note that NASA and other space agencies have said these objects aren't anything of interest, and are most likely camera anomalies. Viewers though who saw the video were left confused, as whatever appears in the footage looks to be huge. Once the video was shared online, various users couldn't explain what it was, saying that whatever it is seems to be flying in formation with several other objects. One person said the following, I saw something similar on the International Space Station app, but wasn't able to capture it. This was a while back, so I'm really glad I found this video because it backs up what I've been telling people I saw. To me this thing looks like a giant ship, and this isn't the first time that I've seen unidentified flying objects around the International Space Station. I saw another one a while back and it looked like a giant silver disc. Before I could get a photo of it though the camera went blank. End quote. Another user said the following. This video is interesting for a number of reasons. The obvious one being that there appears to be a massive ship heading towards Earth. But the other is that shortly after this the camera changes so we're no longer able to see what's going on. Seems like a bit of a coincidence doesn't it? When something mysterious shows up on the ISS camera it just so happens to switch to another camera. Stopping us from seeing more of this object. The weird thing as well is to me it doesn't move like an asteroid or a piece of space debris. It just looks strange. End quote. As mentioned NASA continues to deny a variety of theories surrounding the idea of UFOs and other objects around the International Space Station. But some people have said it's so overwhelmingly obvious that NASA knows something is going on. The most well-known examples come straight from that of the continued live footage of the International Space Station. Recently there's been numerous events where footage of strange objects float in the distance. This led many to believe it's extraterrestrial in origin. After such instances are spotted, the footage will later be removed or edited. The live feed will be cut or the entire instance will be completely ignored by NASA. They will often reply that the footage was edited to give the illusion of alien life. Recently these changes have become so apparent that NASA has admitted that the majority of the live feed broadcasted as being live is actually much older than many people believe. In fact there's been several proven instances by the BBC of the NASA live footage having been from old footage played in 2015. Not only has this helped to build up beliefs by people around the world that there seems to be direct evidence of efforts made to cover up extraterrestrial proof, but it also seems to be direct evidence used by certain communities to prove that something is going on. Space is a vast and largely unexplored place. Advancing technology and the development of our scientific understanding has helped us to find out more about what lies beyond our planet 
and has opened up the door to future exploration. Its multitude has allowed for many aspects to go unknown since humans first left Earth and have experienced life outside of our planet. Something to note though is that not every discovery made by NASA and other space agencies are understood. Sometimes these discoveries confuse even the best scientists. Back in 1997, a mysterious plume was detected by the Hubble Space Telescope coming from Mars. The European Space Agency said the following on their website. Plumes seen reaching high above the surface of Mars are causing a stir among scientists. Going on to say the following. On two separate occasions in March and April 2012, amateur astronomers reported plume-like features developing on the planet. The plumes were seen rising to altitudes of over 250 kilometers above the same region of Mars on both occasions. By comparison, similar features seen in the past have not exceeded 100 kilometers. At around 250 kilometers, the division between the atmosphere and outer space is very thin, so the reported plumes are extremely unexpected. The features developed in less than 10 hours, covering an area of up to 1,000 to 500 kilometers, and remain visible for around 10 days, changing their structure from day to day. None of the spacecraft orbiting Mars saw the features because of their viewing geometries and illumination conditions at the time. However, checking archived Hubble Space Telescope images between 1995 and 1999, and databases of amateur images spanning 2001 to 2014, revealed occasional clouds at the limb of Mars, usually up to 100 kilometers in altitude. But one set of Hubble images from the 17th of May 1997 revealed an abnormally high plume, similar to that spotted by the amateur researchers in 2012. Scientists are now working on determining the nature and cause of the plumes by using the Hubble data in combination with the images taken by amateurs. One idea we've discussed is that the features are caused by a reflective cloud of water ice, carbon dioxide ice or dust particles, but this would require exceptional deviations from standard atmospheric circulation models to explain cloud formations at such high altitudes. Another idea is that they're relative to an aurora emission, and indeed auroras have been previously observed at these locations, linked to a known region on the surface where there is a large anomaly in the crustal magnetic field. The jury is still out on the nature of these curious high-altitude Martian plumes. NASA went on to say the following. There's also other interesting features that appear in this image. The northwestern portions of the planet are enveloped in unusually thick water ice clouds, similar to cirrus clouds on Earth. A photograph shared by NASA's Perseverance rover is currently doing the rounds, showing what appears to be a rainbow. Although NASA said this isn't what people are seeing, something else in the background caught people's attention. According to NASA, they have said that the image does not show a rainbow, they said the following on social media. Many have asked, is that a rainbow on Mars? No, rainbows aren't possible here. Rainbows are created by light reflecting off round water droplets, but there isn't enough water here to condense, and it's too cold for liquid water in the atmosphere. This arc is a lens flare. End quote. 
People's attention quickly turned to the strange objects that can be seen in the background. Immediately, people started to share the image beneath NASA's reply, with some even reporting that NASA was deleting and suppressing certain comments that pointed this out. One person said the following: "It's funny because a lot of people are seeing these strange objects in the background, of and people are even pointing them out to NASA." Yet they've ignored every single person so far. For me, they're not smudges, because when you look at the images, they were taken seconds apart from each other, and the object is in different positions in the sky. Alien, but as some have pointed out, when these strange objects keep getting found above Mars, it does make you question what they are. Another person said the following. NASA's Perseverance rover has already sent back many images, and what I find interesting is how these black objects can be seen in a few of them. They match similar-looking objects that have been captured in previous images. Although they can be hard to see, I'm glad that people are questioning what these things are. Even if they have a natural origin, I think it's important that we ask these questions. End quote. However, some have said that these objects are not of interest, and are likely smudges and dust. With that being said, amateur researchers who have searched through old NASA images have claimed that they can't be dismissed so easily, and that other rovers have captured unidentified flying objects above the Martian surface. This photograph was taken by NASA's Curiosity rover back in 2014, and shows what some say is a large triangular craft. Others say it looks more like a disc, but one thing that most agree on is that it looks strange and out of place. The image started to gain traction when a few websites posted about it. People use this image as proof that the triangular-shaped crafts have the ability to travel to other planets, a land that for centuries attracted explorers and adventurers, but which is also of deep strategic importance. Greenland, a self-governing province of Denmark, is blanketed by ice, apart from a few coastal areas where the ice recedes briefly in the summer. In the northwestern corner lies Thule, home to America's most northerly and remote military outpost. We were granted rare access to Thule Air Base, run by the U.S. Air Force Space Command. The base is spread over more than 250 square miles, but is eerily empty. It was built in 1953 and was once a sprawling secret city, home to 10,000 at the height of the Cold War. But while its size has diminished, its strategic importance hasn't. Just like in real estate, location, 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 as the agents like to say when they try and sell you a house, the vantage point that we have from at the top of the world. Uh, gives us an opportunity to see things that we can't see from other places, and to do things we can't do from other places. Whether it's flying a satellite that goes over the pole, or maybe looking at an object out in space that's flying over the North Pole,、uh, being at the top of the world gives us that advantage. The reason this desolate location is so important to the U.S. military lies behind me. Up on that hilltop is a radar, which during the Cold War was vital in detecting Soviet missiles aimed at the United States. But the radar is now being upgraded to play a key role in America's new missile defence system.
This is a ballistic missile early warning radar, uh, originally designed to uh, watch for intercontinental ballistic missile launches coming over the poles. The radar puts out um, basically what we call as a radar fence. Uh, it, it puts out a beam of, of energy uh, about three and a half degrees above the horizon, and anything out to 3,000 miles, anything that comes up through that radar, our computers can pick up and then track at that point. Uh, because we are so high, uh, we are so close to the, the, uh, the pole, uh, to the North Pole, uh, any ICBMs coming over the pole we would see first because that's the shortest trajectory. It was built here for the Cold War, and so that makes our location perfect. We were allowed into the radar itself, but not with our camera. It's manned 24 hours a day by a crew watching the skies. Its isolated position at the edge of the ice cap, far from the rest of the base, means that it has to be self-sufficient in case of ice storms. Around 600 people live on the base all year round. 140 of which are US military, working mainly on the radar and security. Life here is like nowhere else. In the dark of winter, the temperature drops to minus 30. The sun sets at the end of October and then doesn't rise again until the middle of February. Whilst the environment may be unusual, the routine for those working here soon becomes like that at any other base. Wake up about 4 o'clock in the morning, get ready for work, come to work, stay here, work all day, go home, go to the gym, go eat dinner, go to bed, do it all over again. But when it's dark for a quarter of the year, making your own entertainment is something of a priority. base has state-of-the-art facilities, bowling alleys, gyms, a cinema, internet cafes, and an arts and crafts centre. And Thursday night is karaoke night at the top of the World Club. A big event here for some of the more enthusiastic residents. In such an isolated location, communications are vital. 16. And the twice weekly deliveries of letters and packages are the source of considerable excitement. The size of the base, as well as its remoteness, does encourage a real sense of community, though, according to those who work here. I only noticed this uh, within a few weeks of being here. It's one of the friendliest bases I've been at because it's such a small, uh, tight-knit group of people. Um, everybody's friendly. You've got to get along with everyone else, and uh, it's, it's nice. These may be the farthest reaches of the world, but its unique position means that this base, which played a vital role during the Cold War, is likely to remain of immense strategic importance long into the future. Gordon Carrera, BBC News, Thule Air Force Base in Greenland.
it sucks, right? Tons of lies being peddled along. All you need is a red filter and a non-summer time and boom, there you are. It's like they tell you exactly everything you need to know. But it's like the more you see it, the more you can't fathom it. And you think, why can't I understand what's going on in everything from politics to science to everything's a lie. It's all a show. And it's not something that someone can just pull the curtain back on. Unfortunately, it's not. You've got to use those six inches between your ears. You've got to have, you have to pray that your ears can hear and your eyes can see. Because if you've not realized yet that you have been enslaved in a fabric of society that they've weaved, then so be it. Now, a year later, they go and raid someone for a diary that was fake, but now it was stolen and maybe stolen, but we're going to hold them accountable. But stolen IRS records aren't stolen. The diary showing crimes. Why? There's more. And they want to find out where it's coming from. And you know what the funny thing is? It's kind of like the devil knows that all good things that are happening and his plans being destroyed are done by one person. And that's not even a person. It's God. It's as if he knows everything that he is trying to achieve is being destroyed by one source. Good. Yet for some reason he can't take it out. It's the same thing here. They want to destroy the source, but they can't. And it's right in their face, laughing at them too. Here I am. I'm the one doing all of this. What are you going to do about it? Guess what they're going to do about it? Nothing. They're just going to panic. They're going to try to have you look the other way. And it's not going to work. It's the way it usually is. So on that note, guys, God bless. Have a wonderful evening. And I will see you tomorrow. Same time, same place.